Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. And this is the reading of God's Word. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Amen. Church, would you bow your heads with me in prayer before we begin? God, we thank you for giving us this beautiful day. God, in the midst of troubles, in the midst of crises that we see all around us, Lord, God, we are so thankful that we're able to hope in you. We're thankful that we're able to place our trust and faith in you, God. So God, I pray that you continue to be our cornerstone. I pray that you continue to be our rock in times of trouble, Lord. As we read scriptures today, as we learn about resurrection, as we learn about the hope of resurrection, God, I pray that you may speak to each and every one of us. Also speak to us corporately as a church body so that we may glean from your truth and so that we may learn from it, God, and be the body that you desire us to be. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. The question I often ask myself is the question, what would I be doing in the precise moment when Jesus Christ returns to this earth? What would I be doing in the moment when Jesus Christ returns to this earth? I'm not sure about you, but this is a question that has uh, um, been in my mind ever since I became a Christian, uh, uh, reconciling and realizing the reality of being resurrected one day. And, and, And when I think about and when I contemplate about that question, I want to make sure that I'm in a good place. I want to make sure that my, at that moment when Jesus returns, I want to make sure that my sins are repentant for. Hopefully, I'm at a place where I'm at peace with my life. Uh, hopefully Jesus comes when I'm in the middle of having a very great day. Not a bad day, but having a great day. Ideally, that day would be when I'm singing my heart out with my church family. It would be so wonderful that Jesus comes back right in the moment that I'm either in full in prayer or I'm fully worshiping God and adoring him. That would be great. And certainly... Again, this is in my head. Certainly, I wouldn't want Jesus to come back when I'm in the middle of having a terrible day, where my heart is filled with frustration and anger, that there is no joy, there's no peace. In fact, uh, there's, my, my heart is filled with even resentment. That would be 
terrible. I certainly would not happen, uh, would not want that to happen on the moment, in the moment that Jesus Christ returns to this earth. But I do think about that. I don't know if it will ever happen in my day. It may, or it may not. It may happen when I die that Jesus uh, uh, comes to us. I don't know when it will happen. The Bible tells us that no one knows the time or day of Jesus' second return. Who knows? But I do think about it, that Jesus will one day return to us. And upon his returning, all of us, those that are alive and those that are dead, will experience something called resurrection, meaning we will be brought back to life. I do think about that. Why do I think about that? Because what I do today matters because what is to come hasn't happened yet. In other words, my belief of what's going to happen tomorrow will have a tremendous impact and effect on how I live my life today and in this moment. As conveyed to you many, many weeks ago, the, uh, the Corinthians in the Corinthian church were incorrect in their view of the future. They did not have a correct view of resurrection. They did not have correct view about the return of Jesus and what that would mean to their faith and the lives that they were living. You know, at that time, it was widely accepted that Jesus Christ was to return at some time because that was precisely the promise of Jesus upon ascension. Do you, if you remember in, in the book of Acts chapter 1, he says, as he was ascending to heaven, he says, I will be gone, but one day I will come back. But in my place, I send you the Holy Spirit. So there was a largely accepted understanding that Jesus Christ one day would indeed return to them. That was his promise. So Christians or the followers of Jesus waited for Jesus to come back and reign as king again. And that's what Paul talks about in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 7 conveys this. So that you are not lacking in any gift. Awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, verse 7, when it's referring to the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord refers to the day which Christ will return and to come to rule the new kingdom. So the Corinthians thought to themselves that the judgment had already occurred. They thought that they were already living in the resurrected time where the Christ's reign was already happening. And they thought that because as they saw themselves, they clearly knew that they were still alive. They weren't dead. So for that reason, they were motivated to think that the resurrection of the dead has already happened, or they did not believe in the resurrection of the bodies. They thought, not only are we saved, but not only, are we have, not only have we made it to the kingdom, but the kingdom is already here. And so they were so proud, and they had no sense of urgency. They had no motivation to live for something, something beyond the reality which they were experiencing. So that led to immorality. They lived however they wanted. They believed that they had the right to enjoy all the things when the kingdom would come. And because they believed that they were in the new kingdom, so they went out and did all that they did. 
This led to the Corinthians living in such frivolity, indulging in sin, giving their bodies to idol worship, sexual immorality. They were caught up in the world of temporality, and this was a huge, huge problem. The problem was the Christ at that time had not yet returned. He definitely will, but he had not returned for them. So you have to be ready. Paul is conveying the same truth again. Be in, expectance, uh, be in expectancy of Christ's return. Because when you understand the reality of Jesus coming back to earth again to rule, that should affect our behaviors. That should uh, 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 ex- um, impact the, the, the framework of our minds. You see, many of us, do not have the problem of thinking where Jesus' return has already taken place. We don't have the problem. We don't really walk around saying that. Uh, Nor nor do we believe that Jesus actually came back and the kingdom we live in now is a kingdom that we would have longed for this whole time. Our problem for us is that we don't think about the resurrection of Christ enough. We don't necessarily think or live in the reality of second coming of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of all things that will eventually take place. We act as though, we live as though that there is no meaning or purpose beyond the life we live here on on earth. We live as though the resurrection of all things will never, ever happen. So if you live for the now, lacking understanding of what's to come, your current life will be dominated and will be ruled by the pleasures of this world. It will be about what can I do to gain? How can I live my life so I can benefit the most in my life, for my life, here on this earth? So we will be caught up in the temporality of all things in life. Because how you live now, how you live today is determined by what you believe that will take place tomorrow. Let me say that again. How you live now is determined by what you believe about what's to come, what's to take place tomorrow. And what you believe about the risen Christ and the resurrection of Jesus will now determine where you will spend eternity. So Paul addresses how important resurrection is for all of Christ's followers. And all those that are professed Christians, Paul is conveying yet again the importance of resurrection. So in this chapter, chapter 15, Paul unpacks some truths of resurrection that we all should know. What we believe about the future will impact how we should live today. Paul is reminding all the readers, saying, this is not the end. There is a new kingdom to come and be to be installed. There's something that you and I should yearn for that is beyond life on earth. And that's what's motivating Paul to dedicate this portion of his letter before we talked about the dissension and the cacophony that they were experiencing concerning spiritual gifts. 
Paul is now segueing and moving on to another major topic or major complaint which he fielded from the church leaders. So he's now educating the Christians in Corinth about what they should think and learn about resurrection. And Paul is contending why resurrection matters, why resurrection is so important for all Christians. So let's lean into the specific words of Paul here. And first point that I want to make is resurrection of Jesus is important because it's true. And Paul is making the point that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely true. It is something that actually took place in the, time, uh, in the history of time, the time of history. It's an historic fact that Jesus of Nazareth, Nazarene, rose bodily from the dead. It was a physical, it was, it's not just a, me, uh, a metaphorical, it's not just a spiritual, but it happened to Jesus' physical body. To be sure of this, Jesus arose with a resurrection body, a new body, which has a different properties than our earthly bodies do. As Paul explains this further in verses 35 to 49, he talks about as resurrected beings, we will inherit new bodies that will be different, that will resemble differently than the ones that we experience in life here on earth. And Paul goes to great length to talk about, um, talk about the historicity of Jesus' resurrection. He confirms that this indeed happened. And why is this important? Because Jesus' resurrection confirmed who he claimed to be. Reason for his coming and God providing a way and making a way to reconcile the broken fellowship between mankind and God himself. As he saw that the gap was never going to be abridged, we see what happened in the course of the New Testament, I mean Old Testament era. So God discerned that uh, humans will forever, forever be left wayside unable to bridge the gap that was caused by what took place in Genesis chapter 3. So God makes a way, and Jesus becomes a part of the solution of God's grand plan for humanity. In John 3, this is even prior to Jesus beginning his official ministry. He says, he says in chapter 3, he says, I came to convey the things of the heavenly. What does that mean? Jesus says, I came for the purpose of revealing to all mankind of the kingdom principles and the reality of heaven. I'm here to connect the eternal fellowship that was once designed to be enjoyed for all humans, but that was broken. So, I, he, so he tells us that he comes to us for the specific purpose so that, in verse 16, what does he say? So that we may have eternal life. Eternal life. That was Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission was for us to be pointed to the reality of eternal life. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And that, part, that portion is important because Jesus fulfilled the prophecy that the Lamb of God would rise after three days. So the resurrection of Jesus is absolutely vital because it confirmed 
all the truths, all the claims that Jesus made about himself, his identity, his mission, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ proved absolutely to be true for all those claims. And Paul begins chapter 15 with the life of Jesus. In talking about resurrection, he begins with the very mission of Jesus in verses 1 through 11. He testifies here that Jesus Christ indeed was buried. Indeed, he was raised on the third day. He appeared to Peter and the rest of the disciples. And he also mentioned that he appeared to more than 500 followers. Now, Paul is citing facts, facts, history, things that actually took place. And Paul closes that portion of verse 11. He says, and then he appeared to me. Not only did Jesus appear to the 12 disciples, not only did he appear to the followers, 500 to be exact, and it says, he appeared to me, and I'm the least of all the apostles. Yet he took pity on me, yet he, he found worth in me, and he appeared to me. So first thing that we have to understand is that the resurrection of Jesus is important because, because it actually took place. And Paul is saying that here. What he wants us to know Resurrection of Jesus Christ is a real thing. Second point. The resurrection of Jesus is important because apart from it, the Christian faith is worthless. These are some strong words that Paul states in this passage here. If you read verses 12 through 19, as stated, as stated before, the Corinthians weren't rejecting the resurrection of Jesus, per se. They weren't denying that Jesus rose from the dead. What they were denouncing, what they were oblivious to, it was that there were some that were saying that there, there is no such thing as a resurrection of the dead. So Paul here is showing them the logical consequences of that wrong belief. He's saying, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if that's the case, a number of things follow which make the entire Christian faith worthless. Read with me verse 14 and 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ. Paul says if the resurrection of Christ is not there, if it's not true, the gospel is worthless. It's very interesting. He, 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 he leverages this portion of resurrection incredibly large in the fact that if resurrection does not take place and our faith in Jesus is actually worthless. And Paul says his preaching is useless. He's saying it's in vain, meaning it's empty. These are just empty words. There's no substance in our faith if Christ is not raised. You know, Christianity may have some uh, decent moral platitudes which you and I can subscribe to that would yield us to be better human beings, that would yield us to be, what, somewhat decent, even benevolent, kind, 
But without the living Christ, our faith in Jesus is largely changed. And Paul also says, not only is our preaching useless, he says our faith becomes useless. Now, think about it. Why is it worthless to believe in Jesus if he is not raised from the dead? What does resurrection have to do with our faith in Jesus? I believe this. I believe that Jesus' death atones for the sins. He atoned for the sins of the world up to that point, up to that time. But it was actually the resurrection of Jesus that secures the victory over sin going forward. So without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no solution or there is no hope in the future or of the sins that would be commuted in the days to come. So in that, then our faith would be worthless. If Jesus had never resurrected from dead, what are we placing our trust in? What happens to people that are claiming to have faith in him? There is no substance in our faith. So Paul is saying, if Christ died on the cross as a substitute for our sins, if he's not risen, then Christ's death is no different than any other death, and faith in him would be absolutely worthless. In that, you and I would still be in sin. It was Jesus' resurrection that encouraged, uh, that ensured us uh, the victory over the power of sin. And let me read for you again verse 17 in this passage. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. So Jesus' resurrection is very important for all of us because his resurrection resolves our sin problem. The next point that I want to make. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is important because it connects us to the reality of eternity. The resurrection of Jesus connects us to the reality of eternity. Let me read verse 18 for us. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Resurrection of Jesus is important for all believers because hope beyond the grave is worthless without the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, if Christ isn't risen, then those who have died in Christ, those that have already passed away in Jesus, there is no hope, there is no reward, there is no longing for those that have already passed away. There is no ground for believing that your departed loved ones who had put their faith in him are in heaven if Christ is not raised. If Christ is not raised, we are still having to figure out where is Jesus Christ? So meaning, Paul is contending here, without resurrection, there is no hope of the future. Particularly, there is no hope of eternity. If Christ isn't risen, the gospel is worthless, believing the gospel is worthless, and hope beyond the grave is 
worthless. This past week, I visited my wife's family in Arizona, and it's been three years since my wife's father passed away. Uh, we lost him to cancer. And, and for this occasion, we wanted to get together to have a worship service to commemorate her father who passed away three years ago. And uh, we had a night of uh, the immediate family gathering. Uh, our four children, uh, combined uh, four children, were present. Um, my wife's mother was present. Her brother and his wife were there. Um, so, and we watched a slideshow as we always opened our uh, memorial service this way. And that was show, uh, the, uh, the slideshow that was shown at the funeral service. And I, uh, leading the service at that time, uh, I made everyone go around and share their favorite memories with him. And in those sharing of the memories, some were funny, uh, some were sad. Uh, all in all, uh, we, as we shared our memories, it, we were just deeply feeling the sadness of just how much we missed him. And this was particularly evident in the four children that were present in that worship service. So I asked a question to, those, uh, to the kids there. What do you do when you miss him? What gets you through the sadness that you feel in the moments that you think about it? When, when you think about grandpa, who's no longer here with us, and what gets you through your sadness that you feel? And I waited for the responses to come. There was some silence that was felt by everyone there. And one of the kids opened up saying, well, I, I hope I can see him in heaven. I guess the uh, only thing I can do, only thing that I can over my sadness is, overcome my sadness is that uh, I hope and believe that one day I will see him in heaven, that all of us can wait and we will meet again in heaven. And that was so profound in, their, uh, in, in his little mind, he was able to uh, conceptually uh, grasp the reality of the, the Christian hope is that it's largely connected to one day that we will be resurrected from this current life. One day that we will be united for those that have gone before us. In the same way that we will be united with Christ in heaven, that the resurrected bodies, that all of us together, those that are living now and those that have gone before us, that we will be resurrected together. There will be a union of the resurrected bodies. You see, without resurrection, there really is no eternal life to be enjoyed. That without resurrection, there is nothing that we and I can look forward to. So understand this, resurrection connects us to the reality of eternal life. Amen? In the same vein, if there is no resurrection, our current suffering and toil are worthless. Apostle Paul contends this point in verse 19 which he says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought, even if Christianity is not true, let's suppose that there is no God and there's nothing beyond this life? Would I still be Christian? 
Meaning, would I still be Christian if all of my benefits that this faith brings is concerning regarding my life here on earth? To be honest, maybe, quite possibly, I mean, there are good virtues, and for the most part, it's based on love, kindness, Christianity promotes peace, unity, harmony. So, I mean, possibly, I mean, we would subscribe to that and adopt it as our faith and religion. But we forget one factor and we minimize the other in, in that we think, uh, uh, we forget that we're not facing persecution on account of our faith. None of us, you and I, really faced persecution concerning our faith in Jesus Christ. You know what? Apostle Paul was. Christians back in the day, they received persecution quite heavily at that as well. So if there is no God and no eternity, then is it worth going through the suffering that we face here on earth? And Paul is trying to connect that point to his audience. If Jesus isn't risen, then why do we endure persecution? If there is no hope of eternity, why do we endure because it's noble? What's, what's Paul really referring to here? What makes Paul endure everything that he's faced in the course of his Christian life is that there's something that waits him, that awaits him, that is beyond this life. For Paul, the only thing at times that gets him going his ability to persevere and endure all sorts of hardships while facing death multiple times. He's able to endure these things. Why? Because of the hope that he has that concerning eternity. Because he believes in resurrection of all things. That even he, even if he were to die, there will come a day when Christ returns and those that have gone away will be resurrected with new bodies joining Jesus Christ in his reign here on earth. Verse 32. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? So again, very clear. I mean, we, don't, we have no idea what kind of beast Paul, having faced so many different trials, he's apparently had to wrestle a wild beast or, or fight off a wild beast. He's saying, if it was only left for human motives, would I really have gone through that? And he says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Oh my gosh. Paul is now going back at the Corinthians directly. If if the resurrection will never take place, he says, you and I might as well celebrate, yes, we believe in Jesus, and the rest, let us go out, eat and drink, do whatever it is that pleases us, because what? We will eventually die. By all means, live for yourself and for the pleasures now, because that's all there is to life. What do you think? Why resurrection? Why is this important for us? Why is Apostle Paul teaching us of the truth of 
resurrection. Let, let me go back to my, my opening query. What if we paused today just for a moment and, and, and think or ask this question to ourselves? Man, Jesus is going to come back. How does that affect how I should live my life today? If I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus will eventually come back here on earth to take me up and allow me to be resurrected with him, should that and how does that affect how I live today? What if I not only believe that, but what if I look forward to that moment? What if I'm the one that's eagerly waiting for Christ's return? What if I'm the one that can't wait for Jesus to come back and take me up because the Bible says that is going to happen? How would that change my life? Would I now live my life differently? If I am consumed by that truth, would I still be immersed by the things that concern only for myself? Or perhaps for myself and my family and my loved ones? Would I still be immersed in the things that will eventually end once my life ends? Talking about earthly things? Or will I have the wherewithal to think and be pursuing and be concentrating and be immersed of the things that will carry me on to the life in eternity? I think you and I have the challenge of being reminded not only of the truth, but the reality of Jesus' return. And upon his return, we will see, according to the scriptures in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, we will see first those that are asleep, they will be resurrected. We're not talking about, Paul talks about the order of resurrection. For those that are already asleep, they will be raised And those that are, we will also see ourselves being resurrected along with Christ. And for those that are immersed, for those that are uh, seized by the truth and the reality of resurrection, I believe that we should live seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, placing our faith and trust in him, allowing his reality, allowing his heart to consume our own. And I pray that the resurrection of Christ, as resurrection of Christ is made real in our lives, that we also believe in resurrection of all things when Jesus Christ returns to us in our midst. I'm gonna, read, I'm gonna read just one more verse for you, for us, as we conclude this sermon portion. Let's read verse 58 here. And Paul's conclusion in all of this is this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Friends, isn't it interesting 
Isn't it interesting that this grand letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, before the official closing of this letter, the last thing that he addresses is the reality of eternity. In that he talks about resurrection. I don't know about you, but when we read books, when we watch movies, when we hear stories, the ending portion is always, almost always the most important part of the entire story. And I love that Paul brings all of these things And as he encloses this beautiful and powerful letter, he closes with the truth about resurrection. And he's saying, it's going to be tough. The infighting, the divisions, the cacophony, trying to figure things out. But he's saying, let us not forget the troubles that we face. We are able to be encouraged We're able to be full of hope because Jesus Christ will return. And in that, let us be steadfast. Let us be immovable. Let us adhere to the convictions and the faith that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is written not only for the Christians in Corinth, but that is written for you and that is written for me. Amen. So let us not dread the fact that Jesus will one day come back. But we rejoice because it is a good thing. And may you and I commit to living our lives that we are ready at any moment that he would come back. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, today we had a chance to uh, learn about resurrection. And God, it's so easy for us to forget how real that is. We forget about our life in eternity, Lord. God, help us understand that eternity is not just living forever. Eternity, God, is being with you it's living in heaven forever with you God as we have been student as we have been students and listeners of the gospel of Jesus God may we live today with the full assurance of being saved full assurance of that we would be in heaven and so God speak to us And for those that have not yet committed their hearts and lives unto you, may today be the day. God, may they open up their hearts. May you come, Christ, rule in their lives. God, we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As announced earlier, today is communion day. Communion is, in its simple meaning, is common union. It's to signify that we participate in the mission of Jesus Christ, in his death as well as in his resurrection. It's a simple reminder that as we partake in the communion, we are becoming one with him. In that, 
as Jesus commanded us that we remember this as often as we can. So today, we remember Jesus. We are reminded that we are united with him. So friends, I encourage you as hopefully as you would have prepared the communion elements, now join me as I pray for the elements and partake in it. God, we would have been estranged and we would have lived our lives as enemies of the cross if it weren't for the way that you provided for us. And Jesus, we thank you for being so obedient. And Jesus, thank you for dying the death on the cross, shedding your precious blood so that our sins may be atoned for so that we may be reconciled back to our Heavenly Father. We thank you. God, I pray that as we take these elements, God, we reflect upon the life that we live. And God, we confess of our selfish ways. God, we pursue not the things of this earth, but God, we pursue of the things to come that will last all throughout eternity. So give us, restore that hope unto us, Lord. We pray this 